0: Welcome to The Dreaming. I'm Sasha Smolders.
1: I'm Joe Fulgen. This is The Sandman, issue 59, The Kindly Ones, part 3. Cover date for this issue is April 1st, 1994. In-store date was February 22nd, 1994. <laughs> what? I have a bit. What's your bit?
0: Burn baby burn. Disco Inferno. Burn baby burn. Burn the motherfucker down. Burn baby burn.
1: <laughs> I like how you added in extra cursing.
0: That's in the song, it's isn't it?
1: Burn the mother down, I'm pretty sure.
0: Maybe they just like lifted the fucker out.
1: <laughs> Maybe. Disco Inferno lyrics. Burn the mother down. Burn that mama down.
0: Oh shit, I made it I made it more dirty words. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what they say about me. Have a potty mouth.
1: That's what they say. And that's what we've got on the cover here, is, uh the Burning Baby. For it now. Yeah. That's uh, Daniel in the Fire. Ooh. This is a uh, clay and thread figure, photography, and Mac, much like the other ones. Mm hmm. Unlike a lot of the ones where we're like, I don't know, what is this? Who's that? This one's pretty obvious. Sure. Right? That's uh, a fireplace or something representing a fireplace and that's burning and. Mm hmm. You know, it looks like there's leaves and branches up top.
0: I think it's also the graveyard. I think they're kind of smashing a couple scenes together. I think together. you're
1: right. I think it might be a few things together. So it represents this issue. Yeah. All told. Yeah. It's good. I would like a little different colors in it. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. Like what? I don't know. This one seems a little too monotone to me. The others have little pops of color in a few places like the last one was very red but it had some orange and yellow in spots
0: it was at least like a um, more intense color
1: this yeah. is just kind
0: of sepia
1: yeah and then the one previous to this had the really beautiful orange background and then lots of uh black and white areas on their own without it and this one's a little um
0: they were running low on ink so yeah they had to tone it down
1: yeah not one of my favorites hmm i would say all right let's get on to the inside Mm -hmm. so we find out who has daniel
0: yeah now they don't actually name him but that's loki and puck right right yeah
1: yeah it's pretty obvious who that is once you read the story anyway
0: yeah well i definitely knew it was puck but then yeah i wasn't 100 percent certain it was loki
1: yeah, it looks like Puck, I mean, it looks like Puck has been presented in this comic before, so it's definitely him when you're oh, yeah. trying to pull other other people out of this. But he also could just be some little weird demon guy if you hadn't actually seen that Puck looks like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're building a fire. One thing I'll point out, now that we've had three of these, if you look at the first panel of the first three issues of The Kindly Ones, each one of them has a cord going across it.
0: Yeah. And this this, one's a silver cord. This is the
1: silver cord. In the previous issue, we had a telephone cord going across. That's a telephone cord. For those of you who don't know what a telephone cord is, the part of the phone that you would talk into would often be connected to the actual base of the phone, which would be larger, by this twisty little cord. That's what you see there. We didn't have these smartphones that were all one piece. And in the issue before that the first kindly ones it's the ball of yarn that the maiden of the kindly ones is holding Mm. so she's got the start of it and then we've had this cord string across at least three issues now
0: and so this silver cord that puck is pulling Mm -hmm. is somehow attached to the baby
1: This is a reference to the metaphysical belief that there's a silver cord that ties your soul to your body. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's mentioned in Ecclesiastes 12.6, or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. Wikipedia says there is a lack of consensus among Bible commentators as to its meaning.
0: Cool. I think you could probably say that about every line in the Bible.
1: Yeah. Matthew Henry's commentary, for example, states that the silver cord refers simply to the spinal marrow. So the it's the stuff inside your spinal cord.
0: That's weirdly literal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That verse from Ecclesiastes was actually used in the funeral service at the end of Game of You. Oh. Yeah, because after that, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit return unto to God who gave it. So that one was read over Wanda's funeral. They're pulling Daniel in. We find out it's Daniel. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's at the end of the silver cord, which connects his body to his soul or something like that. And as they do, Loki tells a story.
0: A very good story. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. So he uh, decides to play a trick on on Thor. Mm-hmm. He convinces Thor he's pregnant.
1: Yep, because he's not very bright.
0: Yeah, He sticks a cork in his butt, paints his butt blue, and feeds him a bunch of castor oil. Mm-hmm. Have you ever taken castor oil?
1: No, I don't even know what it is. Really. It's
0: like a dietary supplement thing that people take. We always had it in my house growing up and I i don't think I ever took it.
1: So it's from the castor oil plant, mm-hmm. the, the seeds of the castor oil plant.
0: It's like, I don't know, I guess I grew up in the kind of house where my mom would make me like drink like a shot of like fish oil and stuff to make you, I don't know, it was supposed to make you better, make your digestion better or something. It's one of those things like supplementy things,
1: but not a the u s Food and Drug Administration has categorized it as generally recognized as safe and effective for over the counter use as a laxative, yep, so it's a laxative hmm that uh, that fits with a like all this. a natural one you could buy it a right, okay,
0: you could buy it at a natural store, I meaning probably buy castor oil in pill form, different places too
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: so he fills them up with laxatives, basically. Puts a cork in his butt, paints his butt blue for some reason. Yeah. And leaves him. And he leaves him and goes and sleeps with his wife. Yeah. (laughs) Who wasn't even a good lay.
1: He says, yeah. Loki's a liar. He could be lying about that, but yeah.
0: Yeah, possibly. And uh, out of nowhere, uh, Ratatosk, the -hmm. squirrel who lives in the branches of the world tree, comes and visits Thor.
1: And Ratatosk is from myth. Yeah. Which is the squirrel who lives in the world tree, Yggdrasil, yeah.
0: Aww. What a cutie. <laughs> I like squirrels. They're like rats but in cuter outfits. We have them all over our neighborhood. There's so many squirrels.
1: Normally has an R at the end, Ratatoskr. I don't know if that's pronounced or not. Hmm. He runs up and down the world tree Yggdrasil to carry messages between the eagle and the hawk Vjolfulnir, mm-hmm. perched atop Yggdrasil and the dragon Níðhöggr who dwells beneath one of the tr- one of the three roots of the tree. Oh. So he carries messages between the top and the bottom of the tree, basically.
0: Hmm. So, uh, like squirrels do, he pulls the cork out of Thor's butt.
1: I mean, every time I put a cork in my butt, it's a just a matter of time before a squirrel comes and pulls it out.
0: We do have a lot of squirrels in our neighborhood, so it we makes do. sense. We
1: do. You you can't stick a cork in your butt around here at all. They'll just come take it.
0: Mm-hmm. So, pulls it out. There's a poop explosion. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this little squirrel is now coated in 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 poop and oil oil. um and thor picks it up and he stares at it and then he hugs it to his bosom and he says you're ugly you're airy and you're covered in shit but you're mine and i love you
1: i want to see the marvel cinematic universe thor do this and loki do this scene can we please have them do this scene Mm -hmm. tom hiddleston if you're out there Just, uh, I mean, you just have to, you know, act it out in a kind of theatrical way. I'm not actually asking for literal corks and butts.
0: No, just act it out and CGI Mm -hmm. will do the rest.
1: I don't even think I need a CGI cork and a CGI butt. It could be, you know. You don't need
0: to shit Poses and... No. But the whole point is that he's covered in shit.
1: Yeah, I'm good with miming. Miming. Oh. I want miming.
0: I want CGI okay.
1: poop. Okay. That'll be one of the stretch goals of our fundraiser for this.
0: I mean, I don't want to see this at all. No. But if I was going, you know what? I'd rather, I'd just rather hear Tom Hiddleston, like, as Loki tell this story, like, in a bar somewhere. Yes. Just tell the story and have Thor, like, kind of walk in at the last minute laughing or, like, thinking fondly of the squirrel or something.
1: I would like Thor to be there grimacing while the story's being told waiting yeah. for the part that's a lie yeah and he's like and everybody's looking at him he's like i was very drunk
0: <laughs> yeah that's what i want so what i find interesting about the story though mm-hmm. is i don't think it's just a funny story i think i think like neil is illustrating the idea of like parenthood And these two characters are poking fun at, like, the connection of someone to their thought-to-be child. Yeah. Right? Like, the love of a parent.
1: Yeah. As they have kidnapped and are now burning (laughs) somebody's kid.
0: Yeah. Just the love, the unconditional love of a parent is played for laughs in this opening scene. Yeah. But ultimately, it's kind of what this entire series, this entire um whatever you that's not issue a collection
1: is about i well i hadn't thought of it so you're told i i love that you have this insight on it you're absolutely right it makes me think that he's putting this in to show that they're being bad guys here they're they they do not really care about daniel they're like obviously at the end of this they put him on a fire but he doesn't scream so we haven't got there yet
0: he's holding a phoenix feather i believe that he is not actually killed by this fire in some way because he's holding a phoenix feather
1: yeah but they also don't seem to be worried about the phoenix feather and or ooh, we should take that away from him because it'll cause problems with with what we're doing we're not sure what they're doing right now mm-hmm. yeah but yeah i love that the that you pointed out yeah they're po- they're poking fun at unconditional love of a child mm-hmm. which is exactly what Lida is doing i think it's Lida. i'll tell you why in an issue or two so they pull in Daniel, and he's holding a phoenix feather. They identify it. I don't think there's any reason to think that they're wrong about <laughs> that. It certainly looks like a phoenix feather should. Got sparkles and stuff coming off it.
0: But his While well, his pants are burning, it doesn't seem like he's burning.
1: Yeah, so over on the next page, page four, they put him in the fire. Now, young man, on to the nice fire. And he doesn't look happy about it, but he's not like screaming in pain or fear that i think would happen if it was a fire that was actually like just a regular old kill him fire.
0: Mhm. He looks a lot like his
1: mother. Yeah. And then over the page we see Hob Gadling,
0: a familiar redhead.
1: Yeah. In a place he's probably fairly familiar with, a cemetery. Mhm. And he's visiting his most recent ex.
0: And he's going by Bobby. Mm-hmm. And uh, we find out over the long, you know, he's kind of got a couple pages of exposition here where he's speaking to his dead lover. But we find out that she was run over by a van. And the person who ran her over didn't even stop.
1: Mm-hmm. And she's only been gone for two days. hmm
0: He also lets on that he hasn't actually told very many people about how long he's been alive.
1: Or that if they do, they never believe him. Yeah. And you can kind of, I mean, I think he'd be able to prove it if he really tried. But we've seen him explain it to people before, and especially the how. Just don't die, that's all. Everybody dies because they think they have to. hmm As far as he knows, that's true. All he had to do was say that in front of dream and death, and for them to be like, hmm, that's right? really what happened. Yeah. <laughs> We get a little story about what happens uh, to a lot of men as they get older. They realize that that chasing tail, trying to get laid no matter what, is uh, an empty thing. Seems like it took him a lot longer than most. Mm -hmm. And over on page eight, you was the first woman I'd been with since Peggy died. I wish I could have told you about Peg. You'd have liked her. She died in the Blitz. We were trapped in a cellar. I held her hand as she stopped breathing. Ah, uh, but that's the past and done with. The Blitz was the German bombing offensive against London in mm-hmm. uh, 1940, uh, carried over into 1941. Peg is also the original nickname of Jim from Hobbes Leviathan, who he met in the early 1900s. So, perhaps I think uh, so. It was 1914, was what uh, Peg was what jim thought it was and but she was telling a story of when she met hob gadling let's say maybe a few years ago so he might have met her after she was done her sailing around as a man because she said i can't do keep doing this
0: oh yeah i'll
1: have to figure out something else but until then call me jim
0: okay and so then he meets her and then
1: or somebody with the same name but yeah but it's the time lines up. Like she would have been, she was probably born around nineteen hundred, because yeah. she thought it was nineteen fourteen when she's in at World's End. Even if she was say twenty years old, that means that she was born in eighteen ninety four, right? Which would mean in nineteen forty she would be forty six, mm-hmm. which would be about the perfect time to be in love and married with this guy, but then die sadly during a German bombing attack. Yeah. But she would have
0: had to have noticed that he didn't age.
1: He already told her, didn't he? Did he tell her? He let her know about his whole, you know, pretend to die and then take over as the guy who apparently got Mm. the stuff. And she said, how old are you? And he said, old enough to have learned to keep my mouth shut about seeing a bloody great snake in the middle of the ocean. So she knows something's going on. I think he would have told Peggy. Okay, so that makes sense. If it's her, I think it is. I, I don't think... That Neil would have had that same name happen right there. But it was just a very subtle peg thing. That's awesome. Yeah. Nice. Hmm. So
0: as he leaves the graveyard, he says goodbye. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's someone waiting for him just outside the gates.
1: It's Morpheus.
0: Mm Hmm. Wearing a very smart jacket.
1: I came to talk with you, Hobgadling.
0: Yeah? Let's get out of this bloody snow then. There's a pub over the road. And what's that pub?
1: The Faith, Hope and Charity with three ladies on the sign. The three. <laughs> Another three women. Yep. Mhm. And as they begin to meet, we get an interjection showing the other endless. Mhm. Very interesting times happening here.
0: Yeah. So Destiny is going on a walk about his garden. Uh, he's being followed by ghost books, which I don't understand, but is a thing apparently.
1: It looks like the book he's holding is leaving after images as he walks.
0: Yeah. And then as he's walking, he sees himself in the distance. Um, and it's not surprising to him because he read that it would happen, mm-hmm. but it still freaks him out a little bit.
1: Right. It's still a big deal to see himself, even though he knew it was coming because that's his job is to know things coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: It's not a usual thing that's happening.
1: Yeah. And desire closes off its realm, and walks around its own body alone.
0: Yeah. Despair notices that desire has turned off their calling card or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. And we've got Hobgadling in one of the mirrors in the back. It's actually him in the graveyard there.
0: I think. I think the one on the on the far right is Lita.
1: On the far right.
0: Oh, sorry. On the left.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, that might be Lita. It could be, yeah.
0: Also, I really like the cat
1: Yeah, poking the- <laughs> its eyes through, like
0: pat- cats filled despair, too.
1: Yeah. It's looking at all those rats it can't eat. Ooh.
0: <laughs> because cats can see through mirrors. Like. Exactly. Meanwhile, Delirium is a bunch of fish.
1: Yep. Yeah, 111 perfect, tiny multicolored fish. Each fish sang a different song. I thought it'd be fun to get 111 different people to sing a different song and send me in audio copies of that, but... That'd just be so much work. But I would love to hear what 111 different songs sound like.
0: I can tell you what it'll sound like. What? Cacophony. Yes. That word was invented for that particular situation.
1: But like what kind of cacophony? And some of them would be swimming around and some would be louder and some would be quieter. And it'd be interesting.
0: As she pulls herself together, she thinks about how nice it would be to have a dog. And Mm -hmm. then she's like, wait, didn't I already have a dog? So she goes to find the dog.
1: Yeah. Her brother destruction gave her barnabas or gave her to barnabas depending (laughs) on how you look at that
0: yeah they gave them to each other yeah but it appears she has lost him
1: yeah and she went off to look for it trailing occasional fish
0: i really like this picture of her with the fish floating around her and her hair kind of Mm -hmm. all swirly up in the air i think that'd make a really good poster
1: yeah yeah
0: meanwhile in the bar dream is holding a tiny skull for some reason
1: and the skull has little teeth eyes
0: what I see that now. Why does he have that? And what a what an in poor taste thing to play with when your friend has just gone to the graveyard to say goodbye. So we've
1: we've seen the skull before. He put it in his chest. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: It's just in such poor taste Mm-hmm. to play with a skull when your friend has just died. Your friend's lover has just died.
1: He, oh, I see. Yeah, to have a skull in front of him, and his wife died two days ago yeah 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 i guess he's uh he looks a little distracted here they both do right Mm -hmm. neither of them are really looking at each other dream is looking at the little skull thinking about it it seems right like you can even see in that very first panel where they're sitting across from each other dream is holding up and looking at the skull and hob is just looking down at nothing
0: hob asked dream if he can you know change what happened but uh dream can't
1: No, that's not what he says. No, I will not do these things.
0: Oh, not that he can't do them, but he He won't. He
1: probably could, but he will not. Mm Mm-hmm. I could make it that you dreamed of her each night, but you would not thank me for that. And Dream warns him against revenge. It tends to have repercussions. And so Hobb asks for, I suppose I just wanted to know who he killed, what Audrey meant to me, why she was a good person, why she made me happy when she smiled morpheus's eyes twinkles which i i think just means he like gives the orders to some nightmares to make that happen yeah it's
0: just his i'm doing magic face yeah
1: that's if he was genie from i dream of genie that would be him doing the cross his arms and nod his head blink yeah to get the magic done and he says very well it is done i should not have come here he didn't come here to help hob out and to do this thing for hob but now that's what he's done he's like ugh Mm. And come here for you, Hob.
0: <laughs> so Hob chases him out, asking him if he's okay, if there's mm. something wrong.
1: Are you in trouble? No. Then what's wrong? There's nothing wrong.
0: Look, I shouldn't say this. It's not my place. I've been around a bit. Not as long as you, obviously. But if there's one thing I've learned to pick up on, it's the smell of death. I mean, it's almost like a real smell. You sniff it on a bloke, and two weeks later he gets his throat cut in an alley. And matey, you stink of it. I worry. You take care of yourself.
1: Thank you, Hob. I shall.
0: What's interesting is Hob knows the smell of death, Mm -hmm. but he can't remember what Audrey smells like. And it's only been two days since she died.
1: Yeah. It's because his life has been surrounded by death. Mm -hmm. He can't forget what death smells like. He's seen it so much. Audrey, out of his, how old was he? He's about 600 or something like that, I think. 635. Yeah. Out of his six hundred years he was with her what, twenty?
0: I don't even think it was that long. Yeah. I don't think he'd been with her like two years or something. Oh,
1: okay. So so there you go.
0: Or no, it'd been two days, but I don't know. Two if days it was since her. she died.
1: We I am just I just pulled out of nowhere twenty uh, twenty years if they had a good life together.
0: Mm. So what I okay, so the next section is like the best illustration of a disassociative episode
1: I've ever seen. It's great. It's yeah. so accurate. Well, I can't speak personally, I believe you, but I've certainly had those moments where I have kind of seen the hall of mirrors of thinking because I've been in a rough spot. Yeah. So I've seen it, but I've never been in it exactly. That
0: whole thing about having a, a voice in your head that narrates everything you're doing. Yeah. That's accurate. And just that feeling of when we're centered on her face and things are moving around her. It is so accurate to what it feels like mm-hmm. when you're disassociating. Yeah, like it's yeah, it's very, it's very good.
1: She went out to get milk and cookies and coffee and eggs and orange juice.
0: And she's obviously pissing people off around her because you can see when their faces show up in the background, they're all glaring at her. Yeah, probably because she's done something to piss them off, but she's completely unaware Just of it. Being
1: slow to respond, not yeah. doing, yeah. Yeah. And she sees the old man again. He's still kind of singing nursery rhymes. This is uh, part of a rhyme called Who Killed Cock Robin? I can put a link to that in the show notes. It's uh, He's reading it. Who killed cock robin? I, said the sparrow, with my bow and arrow, I killed cock robin. Who saw him die? I, said the fly, with my little eye, I saw him die.
0: Okay, so it's about someone who died and everyone and who killed them. is Yeah. Does a lot of people... In the song, take credit for something about this death, or like, how does no, it No, it's
1: it's uh, after that. It's who cut his blood? I said the fish with my little dish. I cut his blood. Who'll make the shroud? I said the, said the beetle with my thread and needle. I'll make the shroud. Who'll dig his grave? I said the owl with my little trowel. I'll dig his grave. Who'll be the parson? I said the rook with my little book. I'll be the parson. So it's all the people who have to do do things when somebody dies and uh. what they'll do, and it rhymes. Who will toll the bell? I said the bull because I can pull. I'll toll the bell. All the birds of the air fell a sighing and a sobbing when they heard the bell toll for poor cock robin. That's the end of it.
0: So the old man knows that someone died.
1: I think so, yeah. who's,
0: who's playing what parts around the death?
1: Well, and we get over to the next page, who will be the parson, I said the rook. The story that Daniel got to hear when he went to the dreaming last that we saw him was Parliament of Rooks. Hmm. So I do think that the old guy, I I mean, of the endless, you can kind of guess who he's probably connected to the most. Mm-hmm. So maybe through, because she knows lots of things, right? Maybe through him, he knows some things. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he had something to do with it. But I don't, he seems like a delirium one. Yeah. Right?
0: He's, yeah. She's home again, and Eric shows up, and then mm-hmm. even this episode is this like... Series of events, and the way that she's describing what happens, but is so separated from it is so good, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so then Eric
1: combined that with super strength, yeah, so yeah. so
0: Erica is kind of comforting her, but in a I don't know kind of gross way, and he touches her on the neck and says that like he would like to be a man in her life, like that he wants her to lean on his shoulder, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, has a double meaning. And she just like breaks his arm.
1: He touches my neck and I don't want him touching my neck. So I move his arm away and there's a crunching noise. And he starts saying, I've broken his arm bone. And he winds up going off in an ambulance.
0: Yeah. And outside, she looks out the window to Eric getting in the ambulance and he's yelling at Carla in the (laughs) street.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we can totally imagine the non-dissociative story that's not being told here. That Like, what is going on with her? And then she comes in and yells at her, you've got to stop this.
0: Mm-hmm. And runs off crying. Yeah. Carla comes back and we have a sort of discussion about things. And she decides not <laughs> to stay another night. And I say that that's fine because I can manage on my own. <laughs>
1: Right. I'm sure that's exactly how it happened.
0: We have a sort of discussion and like look at Carla's face. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Oh, Mark Hempel. Like that's the thing about Mark Hempel. He knows when to break it into completely unrealistic in order to get things across. Mm -hmm. Like her eyes are so not eyes, but they're so perfect for what he's portraying there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even the look out the window is like on a slant here. Like nothing. The angles are off on everything. Right. The doorway that Eric comes through. Oh, yeah. Nothing yeah. Nothing is right angled.
0: The shot of the apartment makes the apartment look like it's in disarray, but yeah. also that like, yeah, nothing is right. Nothing is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, when she's looking through the window, thinking about hearing cars and thinking it's the police coming to tell her to bring her Daniel. Yeah. Like she looks just looks like a scratched, like a, like a child scratched version of her face in the window. Because that's the memory she's making in that moment when she sees her own reflection in the window, I think.
1: Hmm. Over on the first bit of this, there's a bunch of three repeats where yeah. she's saying, I have to be strong for Daniel. And we just see her face. Mm-hmm. There is a nine cents in the sign in panel two, nine cents in panel three, six cents in panel four. Uh, and the triple goddess on the cover of People, Madonna, Roseanne, Arnold and Queen Elizabeth. When she's out shopping. Oh, at nine
0: cents, nine cents, yeah. And
1: the three most powerful women—that's uh, Madonna, Roseanne Arnold, and Queen Elizabeth. Three mm-hmm. most powerful women in the world. Oh, cool. So we've got way more of the triple goddess showing up again and mm-hmm. threes. And she basically stays up all night, just watching TV and wishing she could do something. And
0: what's on the TV? Is that supposed to be a recognizable? Pretty
1: sure. Character? So that one of those looks is, like a puppet. Yep. Yeah.
0: Looks like Slappy from Goosebumps. But I'm sure the reference is older than that.
1: It might be Paul Winchell. Oh. The Paul Winchell show. Although he didn't have glasses as far as I can tell. He does. I do find a few shots of his ventriloquist dummy smoking a cigarette, but that looks like a cigar. But it's probably just late night reruns of some old show. The next one over is Rod Serling, the host of Twilight Zone. Oh cool. It's very definitely Rod Serling, the host of The Twilight Zone there. Yeah. So she's she's basically staying up late at night in the in the eighties and nineties. That's what would be on late night TV is just reruns of really old stuff because it was super cheap and they could just run them.
0: And finally, after a night that lasts forever, I watch the purple darkness fade into twilight and the eastern sky swim with blood and salmon. Red sky in the morning, sailors warning. And the blood fades to blue, and soon it's starting to get hot. And it's a pretty clear day because the rain cleared the smog out of the air. It's pretty, the two pictures.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I'm not up very often as the sun comes up, but it is like that. Like that you see everything just kind of change. You go through those color rotations and things start to warm up, especially when it's a summer.
0: Mm-hmm. Especially in LA. They're kind of renowned yeah. for their sunrises and sunsets.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then there's somebody at the door, and she's still dissociative.
0: Watch me. This is me going to the door, just like I've done thousands and thousands of times in the past. And none of those times was important. I mean, not one of those times was important. I can't even remember them as individual times. Who remembers walking to the door? And then I open the door. And Archie's there.
1: It's uh, Detective Pinkerton and Fellows. And they have news
0: mm-hmm i hope it's good
1: news they recovered a body last night that's not it's good news kind of badly burned
0: yeah and uh con- i mean you've already read the issue but content warning for a pretty not nice looking picture of a mm-hmm. baby
1: and they've id'd it as daniel the footprints match found by a hiker out in the mojave desert looks like he must have been placed on a fire and she demands that they show her the photograph, and they do. And it's a burned up baby wearing Daniel's clothes.
0: And it's print matches.
1: And the prints match, yeah.
0: I guess she has a footprint of him?
1: Yeah. I guess so. I th- they would normally do that in hospitals, but he wasn't born. Was he born in a hospital? Oh, I guess he was born in a hospital. He mm-hmm. just uh, was gestated in the dreaming for so long.
0: Yeah. So I guess, yeah. I mean, you can also do things where you take your, like arts and craft things, where you just like press your kids' feet into clay. Mm-hmm. They could probably use that to identify a baby if you gave them that.
1: Yeah. This is me walking into the family room. This is me just standing here listening to the voices in my head. One of them saying, this is me just standing here. And the other one's going, "ee" in one long ceaseless scream. And the last one doesn't say anything at all.
0: So she has three voices in her head. Yeah. And three colors on her face.
1: Yeah. And then she remembers the last time she saw Morpheus.
0: Yeah, the scene where she's sitting there on the ground.
1: Or that's the second last time, I guess. But
0: yeah, the second to last time when she's pregnant.
1: Basically, that he's been the one saying, your son is mine, I'm going to come for him.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's been two separate times where he's come to he and told her this um when he came to see Daniel and saying that he's eventually going to take him and and also when he saw her when she was pregnant and she's remembering what she said when he was there when she was pregnant mhm you take my child over my dead body you spooky bastard over my dead body
1: and she's repeating that she has to be strong over and over again
0: and also this is an, i think she said this line in the previous in the issue Oh, that I were a man, or that I had power to execute my apprehended wishes. I would whip some with scorpions.
1: That line is from John Webster's 1612 play, The White Devil. Oh. The character's name is Isabella, saying that exact line. Oh.
0: And I guess uh, what we're supposed to take from this is she believes that Dream did it. Yeah. So, once again, somebody has set up Dream.
1: Yeah, it seems that <laughs> to way. To take
0: the fall for something.
1: Yeah hmm who do you think did that, and why
0: who do I think set him up? mm-hmm maybe the devil
1: yeah, he did say he would get him,
0: yeah, and he was there that night in the bar, mm-hmm, playing piano, yeah, and he could see people's fate, yeah, so maybe, maybe the devil. Mm -hmm. that's my number one suspect at this point the devil would hire Loki and uh, and Puck to do his dirty work
1: I mean I guess once he's quit hell yeah yeah that's what I mean because he doesn't have his demons to do it for him anymore Mm -hmm. yeah okay so what's going to happen next issue what are your predictions
0: Lita's going to try to hunt him down but I think Daniel's not actually dead
1: you think Daniel's not dead?
0: Yeah, I think Daniel's not actually dead, or okay. he's like he's come back like a phoenix, um, something along those lines. Okay, um, and that Lita is gonna try to find Morpheus. She's gonna go on a rampage to find him.
1: On a rampage?
0: Well, yeah, because that's what she does. Okay, she's gonna, she's gonna, you know, try to figure out how to get to him. Right. I don't know how that's gonna be.
1: Yeah, let's. Uh, ooh, I'm not worry about that.
0: Okay. And Nuala is gonna is gonna be the one who figures out. That Puck did the thing, but also didn't do it right or something. Nuala's going to come back. Okay. And she's going to be a part of solving the mystery, and she's going to solve the part of the mystery that's related to Puck.
1: Okay. Those are some good predictions. I guess we'll have to find out next episode.
0: Burn, baby, burn. Disco Inferno.
1: You've been dreaming of the Sandman, issue 59, The Kindly Ones, part 3. For show notes, visit thedreaming.motivedust.com. Support future episodes at patreon.com slash dreaming, and we'd sure appreciate it if you'd tell your friends about us. Our theme music is Oneri by Kai Engel. Hear more at kaiengel.bandcamp.com. The Dreaming was recorded in Burnaby, British Columbia, Canada, on the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, Kikate, and tsleil nations. I'm Joe Fulgham. Thanks for listening. Time to wake up.
0: To sneeze <laughs> Don't you dare keep that? Or do whatever. remix it, make it the next hot single. It's you. It's you. Meanwhile, delirium is a bunch of fish.